I'm going to head a consortium to buy the club. I don't even know what that means, mate, but we'll try it. Yeah, we might as well, might as well. Like, well, people have done it before, haven't they, Blake? We had the three amigos before Gadsby and that, and they bought it for a pound. So between the three of us, if we've got 33p each, we've got half a chance. <laughs> I remember that. That was when you was on the bench and 41-year-old Kevin Poole was playing, wasn't it? No. Makes sense. <laughs> Should we get going? Have you look at the banter? Yeah, I'll be going. <laughs> See you later. I told you I was on a podcast. Get it. <laughs> Luke has just walked in and gone, why has my dad got the smallest head and the biggest shoulders in Scotland? He's just came in last for his T-shirt back. <laughs> nah, I've never noticed that, mate. What, you've got a small head? Yeah. thought it was all right. <laughs> you haven't actually got a small head. In general, you're probably about, in proportion, you don't know if it's just the angle or you've just been doing extra bench press. <laughs> Because our time together, you was obsessed with bench pressing every two minutes. So I don't know if you've just continued it over the last three years. But it wasn't just bench press, though, was it? We used to just go to the gym. We did. We did. We and used to have just international chest day and a Monday. And Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> and Saturday mornings because <laughs> neither of us could get in the team. So <laughs> we had to do something with a time in Cardiff. Oh, I know. I know, mate. Enjoyed it, though. Yeah, good fun. Enjoyed it. Good fun. Now, I regret going there, actually, meeting you, but if only you could see the future. But, you know. I thought I thought it might be from lifting all, the, lifting all those trophies, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Look it. That was enjoyable as well, mate, to be fair. Hold on, 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 hold on. Who <clears throat> on this podcast has got a playoff winner's medal? Well, it's not me. Well, it's not you. Bryce, what about you? It's me, then. It's Nottingham's favourite son. Just you. Just me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I get, see? When I told you he gives me expletive on the WhatsApp, this is basically what I get every other day, or every other message is that I'm a Judas. So. Well, you're mate. Grew up in Derby. Gave it the big licks for Derby. Played with Derby. Went to Forest. Pathetic. I didn't go direct, did, did I? Like, it doesn't matter, mate, how you got there. You still ended up there. Right? Yeah. 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 I, can't, I can't really argue with it. Can't really no, argue can't with it, can I? No. Would you ever have signed for Forest, Bryce? <laughs> oh. Oh, that was a quick denial. <laughs> of wow. course I would do it. Oh. Never. Never. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, no, come I'm on, let's like get the him, podcast back. I'm not like it. him. I'm not like him or Wardy. Get some morals. I can't believe Tice gets away with murder. Chrissy Commons gets away with it all. Like, these <laughs> went direct back and forth. Like, I went via QPR. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, why do I get so don't much Because you used to get a big in at Derby, mate. I didn't know. That's the thing. Well, yeah, I probably did, actually. Yeah, probably did. Yeah, well, I suppose if- when you've got... A- do you know what I mean when you've been promoted to the Premier League with them it's, it's hard not to Bryce you know one day we'll sit down and talk about it one day what it's like to win at Wembley if you like we'll, we'll go over my memories granted I contributed absolutely zero to the season and to the actual playoff final but you know sounds a bit right <laughs> but we had a great party in Windsor afterwards so I can't argue <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with the party so I'm just happy I had a lot more luck at hand in mate than Wembley better stadium anyway so 
Oh no, he's talking to a whole new level now. <laughs> oh, new level. Was you boogie woogie in that night as well? It was me. Eh? It was. Come on, Blake. Let's get the podcast. I'm, see, this is he brought me on here to listen to this nonsense from this guy. Come on, get the podcast going. Go on, then. take take me back, Lee, because you've told the story before. But just remind us of when you was in the changing room when Bryce first came on loan to Cardiff and how you first met. Did you sign on deadline day, Bryce? Yeah. It was like a last-minute job, wasn't it? Uh, I it think, was like a couple of minutes to spare. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we'd been off, because I don't know if, you, if it was like an international break or something, or we'd had days off, but I just remember coming in and you were sat over at the far side, and I, it was just one of them <laughs> awkward moments, wasn't it? <laughs> it was obviously a bit of a rivalry. Yeah, but we'd never we'd never met or anything, had we, before? We'd obviously no, played against each other and, and, and that, but I don't know, it just sort of hit it off, didn't we? Just... It was me, you, Pato, Reese Healy. You and Pato got on because you, you know, the Scottish boys and uh, we play for Scotland and, uh, and all that <laughs> nonsense that no one really cares about. But um, yeah, and we just, it was like an awkward handshake, wasn't it? Nice to meet you. And then that was it. I'd send it up buying your Starbucks every day pretty much for about six months. Basically. So, I think it helped a wee bit when I, when I went there. I knew, I knew Pato from Scotland. Yeah, and obviously you were you were tight room. You were all, all well, me and me, Pato and Reese. Well, Pato signed with a cruciate. I signed with my knee injury, so we both signed as well. Basically, like I, I don't know what you'd call us, like Crocs. Crocs. Basically, and and Reese had a cruciate as well. So we were doing our rehab, and them two were driving me absolutely balmy. They were driving <laughs> me. I mean. I was close to retiring on the basis that I just couldn't put up with them three, uh, them two any longer. And then when Bryce, you signed, you gave me a little bit of relief that I had somebody that was a bit older and a slightly bit more mature, not a lot more, slightly more mature, <laughs> and actually was able to get a bit of respite. But then it just became three on one, and I just got battered for six months. And uh, then Pato got fit, Reese got fit, and you got injured. So then I was stuck with you for about another two months. And, I know. Uh, we just we just hit it off, didn't we, mate? Become the bestest of buddies. No. I, I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't call it that. I had an opinion of you before I signed um, from your playing at Derby as an opposition player. And I bought into that opinion. And then I met you and thought, you know what, he's actually all right. They're actually right. <laughs> all right. To be fair, he actually helped me set it win at Cardiff, if I'm being honest. Don't like to give him enough praise or any praise, actually. But when I did go and he was pals with Pato, um, and we were with him all the time, he actually he is an all right guy. I think that's as, as good as I'll go with that. Well, I'll tell you that. That's the greatest compliment I've ever got off him. So, <laughs> like... I think I got an all right when I bench pressed 95 once. I think I went, oh, that was all right. That was about as good as it got. So, don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, we had a good change room, didn't we? Damn, that, that was it. Kind of like, I remember, I remember, because um, your name wasn't mentioned, because obviously when you're in a changing room, you hear names are getting thrown about. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And we're talking about signing this player. And to be fair, one, I could do quite a lot of business that summer. And, um, it sounded as if like all the business was done. And then obviously when we got you last minute, I thought, oh, that's, you know, I've, I've said to my cousins who is well documented, I thought, you know, they, this could be signing of the season because I thought you'd be the piece 
of the puzzle because we had midfielders that were good holding midfielders and offered something defensively but didn't really have that runner or that one who could score goals, who could run beyond people and the way like Warnock likes to play with like the man-to-man defence. Like when he does defensively, he goes man-to-man and he plays into the big man. I just thought it would be tailor-made for you. It's just unfortunate. I mean, you started like a house on fire, didn't you? A couple of goals and playing. It's unfortunate you got your injury when you did, but I mean, it was, um, no, you come into the group and like I said, it was a good group, wasn't it, at Cardiff? We had a good changing room and good characters and it's... I think that's an end what got us promoted, to be honest. I think like the togetherness in the team was excellent. It's one of the best change rooms I think I've ever been a part of. Just like going in every day, it was a, it was a place where you actually wanted to go in and be part of. It was like good banter every day, but when everybody went out to the training pitch, everybody worked hard. And then after it, it was like a good laugh. It was just a good place to be. And then yeah. everybody just bought into Warnock's philosophy and how we we're going to play. And basically, it kept like, what, 20, 30 players happy, even if you weren't playing. It was... I think his man management was was unbelievable to keep everybody on side because they had a squad of players that thought they would probably or should probably play every single game, but they would tell play maybe drop players and then tell them they're going to play like in three weeks' time or something. Uh, I'd never been part of that, getting dropped a bit said like you're playing well, but I need you for three weeks' time or two weeks or whatever it was. And everybody just bought into it. We we actually got promoted, I think, just because we were a good team. It's well documented, Campy. You know, you you've been a big fan of played for for Warnock a couple of times. But Bryce, how important is Neil Warnock in that creating that atmosphere and creating the environment that that breeds success? I think he's excellent. I think I really enjoyed working under him. I think obviously called a spade a spade. To be honest, um, if you weren't playing well, we'd tell you. But in the flip side of that, it would also praise you. And I think I think he's main quality was his man management it would just keep everybody happy I don't know how we done it I've been in squads before at Derby and stuff and players weren't playing they weren't happy but I, I, I honestly I don't know how he kept everybody happy but he did and everybody bought into it like I just said there and we were together if you weren't playing you still wanted a, you still wanted the team win there was no egos we had big personalities in the change room we had a lot of leaders but nobody would throw the toys out of pram if we weren't playing Sorry, Blake, to quit. And I think just to add to that, I think, I don't know if Bryce would agree. I think he had a consistent, like, you know, he, he called a spade a spade and he was honest with you, but he was very consistent in what he did. I mean, he, he wouldn't divert off it. I think he treated players pretty much the same. Obviously, I mean, he had a good relationship with Sol Bamba and Sean Morrison and Lee Peltier, the players that he played with before and, and people like that. But he was very consistent in terms of the way he would deal with you. And I think, like Brian said, the man management side of it was is his biggest his his biggest strength with it. And um, I mean, from my point of view, I, I was injured and I signed as probably like a medical risk, and unfortunately couldn't get fit to get going and be a part of it. But I always felt part of it and always felt valued, and that you you could add something to the group. And it, I don't know if that's just experience or just a knack of a human being, but I think he did the same when I was at Rotherham, and I know he. He must have done the same at Sheffield United with the players he's had over the years. You don't manage that level at that level, and with them players that he signs, if you, if you don't, and um, I don't know how he did it, but he just had some sort of magic just to be able to do it. Then he brought it was just it was weird. It was weird how he did it, but it it just all comes together. How does it compare to to other managers you play for, 
Grass? Is he on his own and is he kind of unique in, in that kind of management style? I think all, all managers are different in, in certain ways. I've like played, played under a lot of managers in my career, but I don't know, it's probably hard for people to come close to Warnock because just the way he is, um, he's obviously been through a few generations of players, but he's never really seemed to change. Uh, he's always stuck by his beliefs and his morals and he goes about it the way he wants to go about it. Uh, he's obviously had, what is it, eight promotions, so it's hard to argue with him with what he's doing and I think he just creates a good environment for his players to come to every day. Like, uh, I think he looks into your character and stuff before he signs you and uh, he'd probably pick your character over maybe your ability sometimes to come into a squad but I think there is times where he would look after certain players maybe different because he knows what he needs from them and some players obviously need an arm around them. You can't really shout at them that much or whatever, but I think he just knew what he needed from players and how to get it. You've both played in, in successful championship sides. And the one question I wanted to ask was, what do you think that the, the blend is to, to get out of the championship? What do you need? Because I've watched Derby have five, six, seven seasons of different kind, different managers, different squads, different, and they've not quite got there. What do you think you need to get out of the championship? Campy's only one here with a playoff winners medal, supposedly. So we say I'm the, I'm the most qualified to, <laughs> to answer this. Go on, Bryce. He asked you, didn't ask me. When have I managed it with Derby, did I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know. Because you would say some of the Derby teams I played in on paper were potentially better than the Cardiff team we played in uh, together. But what, what I feel is. I think you need a wee bit of everything. I know that's kind of sitting on the fence, but there's games at Cardiff where we played horrific, like terrible, uh, probably 20-30% of the ball possession-wise, but we came away with a 2-0 win. I don't know if you ever remember the game down at Norwich when they absolutely battered us, but we won 2-0. And I think like that, that is one of the games that kind of fit for us and we thought, right, we're going up here because Fulham were on an incredible run. I, think, I can't remember if they even lost the game in God knows how long, but they still couldn't get anywhere near us for a bit. And obviously, Wills are, Wills are flying, but I think um, I think you need to know how to win games in different ways. I think maybe our fault with Derby is we'd always been into, into games and try and pass teams off the pitch, really, and never really change the way we were playing. Whereas in a championship, I don't think you can get away with it all the time. I think Wills and maybe teams before I came down were a wee bit of an exception. Uh, they were excellent. They get out playing basically total football. But for us at Cardiff, we were just on the pitch to do basically win. We were just saying the change room, look, it's the result that matters. And then hopefully if you can if you can win and play well, then that's a bonus. But at the end of the day, we just want to win the game and do everything you can to win. And if you can't win, you don't get beat. Do you reckon, Campy? Yeah, I think, I think Bryce's point there about finding a way to win. And because... The championship is like no other league. I don't think in the world. I think it's it's so it's such a mixed bag of of teams, of wealth, of players. You know, you you look at for example the investment Fulham put into their team in the last couple of years of being promoted and relegated, and then you've got somebody like Peterborough who have come up, Blackpool have come up, do it different ways, but yeah, then they go and get results against one another. So it's such a mixed bag. But the biggest thing for me is having players that are hungry and if they're hungry, they'll find a way to win. And that's, I think, the biggest thing at Cardiff was is that you obviously had Warnock with his man management and then 
I mean, he's tactically in that. It's not all about his man management. He's pretty savvy when it comes to tactics and analysing games and, and finding weaknesses in opposition. But he had that way of finding a way to win a game. And he wouldn't always set up the same. He wouldn't always go with the same formation. He wouldn't always go with the same tactic. But I think you have players that are hungry and players that can find a way to win. I think you're, you're halfway there. And I think, again, being adaptable, like Bryce said, maybe. I, I didn't see enough of Derby, I know. Obviously, we're having a bit of banter now. But over the years, obviously, we, we played against Frank Lampard's side and they would dominate possession. <clears throat> Steve McLaren's team would, would dominate uh, possession. Gary Rowett's team were perhaps a little bit more counter-attacking compared to to the mother sides. And I think throughout the season, you've got to have a bit, like where I said, a bit of everything. I think there's got to be times where you've got to go, you know what, we just need to defend this game and get a result or we need to let the you know the reins out and let the boys go and play a bit. And I think if you've got a manager that can can understand that and can... I think sometimes managers get in their own way with things. You know, they overthink things and they think, well, we need to stick to our principles and stick to our philosophies. And it's not really about the manager or the... It's about the players finding a way of winning. And I think you can go too far one way with a possession-based or you can go too far with being long ball. I think... Bryce is not sitting on the fence and he says you've got to find different ways of winning games if that's just set plays if that's digging in if that's launching it to the big man on the penalty spot you've got to find a way of doing it and I think with the, the championship you won't find a league that you need to do that more in in the world right, When we were at Cardiff mate we must have been horrible to play against because we obviously had a lot of height in our team every set play we'd put in your box every throw in we'd put in your box we just we just played to our strengths basically. We had Mendes Mendes lying on the wing. We knew that how quick he was. If you get a chance, put him in behind, and he's fast on the defender. Then he'll put a cross into the box. So basically, everybody was on the same page at Cardiff. There was like no egos, basically, like I said. And I think everybody was on the same page. There was like no no grey areas in the way that Warnock wanted to play. Some games we'd match teams up and we'd just go man for man. No matter where your man went, you basically followed him. And they just trust these players, and you just have to accept it that that's your man. Do your job, and expected everybody on the pitch to do their job. And they said, if we do our job, and we win eight out of ten individual battles, then we'll win the game. Do you think that's why he goes for a character sometimes rather than going on maybe a player that's got a bit more ability or, or is probably more fancied because he wants a change room full of winners and he wants that mentality? I'd probably say one of the biggest differences from. Cardiff and Derby from my time is the amount of leaders in the Cardiff changing room compared to maybe Derby sometimes. Uh, when you look around their changing room, there was captains everywhere um, at Cardiff and a lot of experience, a lot of international experience as well. Uh, we say like Gunnarsson and people like that who were, were big big players for us and played every game basically. You know what you're going to get from them. Um, it's, it's one of them. It was just the way he set us up was completely different to what I'd been used to, but it done the job, it got results, and it got another promotion out of it. Here's Martin, hooks it across. Oh, what a goal! Sensational goal from Craig Bryson! Out of nothing! That is special. That really is special from Craig Bryson. 
we talk about characters and, and changing rooms, and it brings on to like the first Christmassy related question I've got. And it's one that I always like asking when I speak to players is what's the best Christmas do you've ever been on? Lee, I'll start with you, mate. Best Christmas do? No comment. <laughs> you can't no comment on a podcast, mate. <laughs> no, I've, I've been on a couple of good ones, but I'll tell you something. One of the best ones I've been on was my first year in the Derby team. And this is God's honest truth. We went in Zanzibar on a Monday night because I don't know why it was, but we never organised anything properly. I don't know if it was because of the games or the fixtures or what. I don't know. So it was a bit of a, a last minute rush thing put together. So we just go, you know, because back in the day, back in the day, back in my day, <laughs> Zanzibar Monday night was the place to be. If you went out on a Monday night in Zanzibar, it was like, and he was a single lad. I'm telling you, it was wall to wall. If you having a good time, let me, let me tell you. Right. <laughs> Obviously not me, not me, but I'm just saying that's what the rumour is. But um, so we all decided, right, we'll go out Monday night. So we cleared it with George and he was like, yeah, fine. Take the Tuesday, Wednesday off or Tuesday or whatever it was. So we started, I can't remember where we went in Derby. And then we all ended up in Zanzibar in fancy dress. And the best sight I've ever seen was a Nigo Idiakes walking through the main door into the main bit downstairs dressed as a fairy. <laughs> it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> right? he had that hair, which is not too similar to my uh, wig at the minute, but he had like the blonde streaks in it that he used, to, <laughs> he used to do in the changing room, which was hilarious. He used to put his cap on blondie's hair and he had like his hair slicked back or what it was. He had these wings on his back, had a little tutu skirt on, these like fishnet tights. And he had, I can't remember what he had on his feet. We had like a little one in his hand. He just walked in on his own as if it was just like the, the most normal thing in the world. Swaggered in, got a beer, had a good night. Went over. That, that was one of the best memories I had. And that was like really, well, probably like my earliest, one of my earliest Christmas parties I went on as with a first team. And it's always stuck with me. Our Spanish import, who was bending three kicks in from anywhere, just walking through Zanzibar <laughs> student night in a fair. It was genius. Genius. What a guy. Where is it? Where is the go-to place in in your day then, Lee, for a night out in Derby? Oh Jesus! Uh, where was it? We day. went in my day. My God! <laughs> uh, you know what? Saturday night. We never used to. We never used to, really used to do a lot of Saturday nights. A lot of the lads used to go out of town. It used to be more like Nottingham has always been obviously a good night out. So a lot of the younger lads used to go to Nottingham out of the way. Just kind of um, help. Her. Was going out, it just couldn't help it. Not mine, never really went. Um, probably Zanzibar Monday night was the, was the place. Saturday night and Friday night, Zanzibar was no good. It was all like 80s old school stuff. Probably Destiny and Elite next to the casino. I don't even know what it's called. I don't where, um, it's what's the old Sin hotel? It, Is the Pennine Hotel still it, there? Yeah, it was, it was Sin when I was, it, it turned into Sin, didn't it? The Pennine Hotel where uh, Duckworth Square, yeah. Yeah, Penano Hotel's on the corner. You come down, you used to have a where the car park is. Destin Elite used to be one of them two clubs, and that always used to be the place to go. Really, there or my God, Coyote Wild. Remember that? Was it Coyote Wild with the bull? With the bull in there, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Derby was more bars, I think, if I remember right. More fat cats down down that one way street where. Oh my God, I can't remember the names now. Pet Piano. Is it Pet Shop Piano? Is that the place? Yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's, it's down is that there. that end? Yeah, it's down Friday. Fat Cats used to be the one that used to be set back. 
Yeah. And that's it, yeah. Off the main road. Then you had the restaurants down down towards the traffic lights and then there was the old hotel on the left-hand side. I can't remember what that was. My memory with the names is terrible. But also, they, they were the place with Destin Elite. If you went in at the right time, you'd probably see, I don't know, maybe 15 Derby players in there at some point. <laughs> Before camera phones and mobile phones. I think we didn't used to have mobile phones then. What about you, Bryce? What's the best Christmas do you've been on? For me, I don't know. I used to be in bed for 10 o'clock every night anyway. <laughs> uh, most, of, most of the time, we would just go down to London uh, and you just got on the bus for Pride Park, basically, or wherever you were playing. And straight after the game, you just start drinking. So I used to just go to London just for a bus trip and go straight to bed when I got to the hotel. Uh, so I was a bit of a lightweight, but I, there wasn't none really stick out. I <laughs> 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 I prefer the Sunday, to be fair. When Cappy's thought about when you get there in the pub, like you're rough, obviously. I think when did you go to the pub, like maybe 11 o'clock, everybody's in fancy dress. I think, I think they were the best ones, mate, to be honest. I used to always rather not go home early on the Saturday, but I'd rather be fresher for the Sunday uh, to go on it all day. But no, no, it's not, none that really stick out, mate, to be honest at all. Uh, they've all got a wee bit of carnage in them. <laughs> There's some of it has to be a mystery, Yankee boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can't always rub the, rub the, the ladder and get the genie out of the bottle. That's it, you know what I mean? Got to keep a bit of, bit of secret. Can't have any lads getting divorced. <laughs> what was your fa- What was your favourite uh, night spot when you was in Derby, Greg? Where was your favourite place to go? Seymour's? I like Seymour's, aye. I like Seymour's. Uh, I think when, when I first came down, I think everybody used to go to, was it No No 8 or something like that? Yeah. Can't remember what it was called. It used to go in there, but then I, I preferred I preferred going into Seymour's and stuff. Then the older I got or whatever it was, the more I'd been down there, I would just stay out of town, really, um, and kind of go to Belper most of the time. So it's a bit quieter. You didn't get, like, as much hassle in Belper as you did in the town. Uh, people would go out with as well. Just, I think they all lived in Belper at the time, so it was a bit easier. Yeah, I, I never really went out too much, uh, to be honest. But when I did, I'd, I'd favour going into Belper. Is it difficult? Obviously, I know it's it must be nice when people come up to you and go, "Oh, come a picture." Of the... But Joe, if you're going out and you're gonna have a few beers and that, is it sometimes difficult? And you've got to try and plan where you think I might get might be a picture of me or people are going to be around me all night. Do you, does that come into consideration? Not really. You don't. I don't. I don't mind that at all when people come up to you and speak to you or what a picture or anything. It's just when seeing people were hammered and they'd come up to you and then they'd just kind of like want to stay there the whole night and it got a wee bit awkward and that that's kind of that was like the problem but I think um, I never really had any issues not now at all in Derby at all so I think that's why I probably favoured going to like the quieter places because uh, you were just out to have a good time with everybody else and sometimes when you're into town it could like maybe attract a different crowd What's it like playing over Christmas? And obviously, with both having families and playing over Christmas, you probably don't get your Christmas day. Is it is it difficult, timely? No, I love it. I'm not more gonna lie. I loved it. I love playing Boxing Day, especially love playing away Boxing Day. <clears throat> not to be away from the family because the games are relatively close, so you travel on the day or whatever. But uh, I was just seeing Boxing Day games was great, especially if you was going with two or three, four thousand away friends. It was always a bit livelier. And the same with the New Year games. I always, I always enjoyed playing them, like the festive time. And then a, a bit with Easter as well, when you had the games back-to-back. I loved it. I never I never ever thought of it as a as an issue, even if I got up, got up and trained Christmas Day. 
it never bothered me. Like, I, I loved it. I mean, I'm the opposite. I hated it. Really? I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, remember, like, I was at, obviously into football. Um, I, in Christmas Day, I used to sit down and have a bowl of pasta. Um, when when my whole family were eating like Christmas dinner and stuff like that, and then I remember telling Nigel Clough one time, and he battered me, he abused me. He's like, "What are you doing having pasta on Christmas day?" And I'm like, "We've got a game next day." And he's like, "Shut up, can I do it? Go home and have Christmas dinner." And I'm like, "All right, it sound." Um, but yeah, I, I think up in Scotland it's a wee bit different because now you get the winter break, so playing over Christmas is is fine because you know, like in the third of, third of January, you've got a couple of weeks off, but. I wasn't, I didn't really fancy it. Uh, I remember one time, like, it was kind of new to me when you went down south, because up here we never really, we never really trained on Christmas Day, but down there, I think, I think we played Burnley away on Boxing Day, and you were in a hotel in Burnley on Christmas night, and you're thinking, like, what are we doing here? Like, I'd rather just be at home with a family, and I, I think my, my wife used to always just go home for Christmas back up to Scotland, because I would just be, like, sitting in the house, getting ready for a game the next day, and you don't really get to enjoy it. Um, I'm starting to enjoy it a bit more now, like having a son. Uh, it's kind of brought that Christmas spirit back, just seeing his face light up when he sees like the the tree and the presents and stuff like that. So for me, it's a wee bit better now. Is it as an important period as is made out with with like pundits and stuff where they go the Christmas period? And is it as difficult as as people say it is to have so many games in a close period of time? Do you look at it and target it as a as a period where you can get a lot of points or, or an important period as a player? I think so, yeah. I think there's that many games you can pick up that many points over the over this kind of period in the season and I think that can help you massively. Uh, I think it was always tough because you're always knackered. You had games like, what is it, every two or three days? But then you have to factor in like the, the travelling into that and stuff, uh, the time of year, the pitches, the conditions, stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that you needed to kind of go in your favour as well over this, this period. But yeah, I think it is a really important time of the season. Yeah, it is. I think it's more of a mental grind. I think, you know, once you... I mean, for the outfield boys, I mean, the amount of mileage they're doing again is ridiculous anyway. But um, to then have a couple of days and go again and a couple of days and go again, it's a tough time. And you just hope that you win your first one because then it gives you a bit of a bounce and at least gives you a bit of momentum. It can be... It can work both ways if you lose or if you're, if you're going into the Christmas period on a bit of a bit of a losing run or whatever it can be quite hard but whenever there's whenever there's games thrown together that quick it, it's tough but like I said I I loved it but I wasn't running 10-12k a game and the recovery is pretty quick but it, it's tough it's a mental grind for the outfield boys I have to say it is tough because they have to get themselves up and get themselves going and keep pushing themselves through the barrier and also it's all the information you have to take in with the oppositions and the debrief, it's because it's, it's so congested. There's not a lot of time. <clears throat> you know, you, you have the rest and recovery physically, but mentally it's you're watching debrief from the game or you're preparing for the next game and you're looking at stuff and you're trying to get stuff prepared. So it's it's full on, but if you're winning, it's enjoyable. Is it a Christmas you're looking forward to this year now you're unemployed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am, actually. I've, you know, there's, there's pros and cons, isn't there, of being unemployed, I suppose. But, um, you spent no, the last few months with Dion Dublin, ain't you, watching Homes Under the Hammer? That's oh, great, mate. <laughs> me and Big D, we're, uh, <laughs> we go back a long way, me and, me and Big D. But I am looking forward to it, to be fair, because I won't have to think, oh, I've got to go into training. Although, 
it wouldn't bother me. I'm probably more pissed that I'm not playing. <laughs> so I have to be at home <laughs> and do everything you have to do. But um, no, I, I am I am looking forward to actually having a Christmas. It'll be interesting to see what it feels like, really, not having any responsibility to, to get up and go to work. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be strange. It's talk about homes under the hammer. Bryce could actually go on that because it's your it's your, your new sideline, isn't it? I remember actually I bought a house um, a house at auction when I was at Derby because it obviously Graham Penny auctions work out of Pride Park. I remember I got somebody to put an offer in for a house on me for me, and they kind of asked me to go on. I don't I don't know if it was a wind up or no. They asked me to go on homes under the hammer, and I'm like, <laughs> there's absolutely no chance I could do that. Imagine me walking around the streets of Derby. The big Dion showing people in the house saying what I'm going to do and stuff. <laughs> I get battered. Um, so done a renovation in that, but I've always been involved in property since about 2009, I think it was, when I bought my first place. So people think it's a wee bit weird that I've been into like estate agent, estate agency, but I've been doing like rentals and stuff like that for a for a good while now, and went into that. And I think I think players nowadays they have to kind of try and set themselves up for doing something after football. I didn't want to get to the stage where I was just going to retire and then the next day think, like, what am I going to do? Try to, like, plan it and sold a few houses. Uh, I've been doing it for, what, maybe just under a year now, if that. Sold a few houses. So getting used to it, trying to learn the process. And it's, it's quite good because you can actually do it while still playing. As playing. So it's been good. It's been good. But whether I do that full-time after football, then who knows? Who knows? Campion Noah qualifies a personal trainer as well, so we'll see what happens. Is it important to to try and figure out what you're going to do before you retire? And, and like, obviously, Lee, this is like being like deadly serious. Like, you get to a certain point where you've not got a club, and then you try and you, you don't know what you're going to do. Is it easier to try and plan before because it could come to an end at any point, couldn't it? Yeah, I I think being prepared in the sense of having something to go into is huge. I think you never you you can't prepare to stop playing. I mean, I haven't stopped playing. I would still like to play if possible, but the reality of it is I'm pretty much stopped. And I think when it actually comes, you never you never quite want to face it. You want to want to accept it, but you that never prepares you. But having stuff lined up to do or something in your mind that you want to do, I think, will help that transition and ease that transition. And I have a different appreciation now for when players have finished um, and they find it so difficult to to move on or get into something and um, I'm glad that I've done my coaching and I'm glad in many ways now I appreciate obviously my injury because I thought after my injury that could be me so I was sort of in my mind thinking and me and Bryce had this conversation many a time when we had coffee that I mean, I think Bryce saw me pretty much at my lowest in terms of where I was with my knee and where I was going to be, where I could be in two or three months' time and the, and the real possibility of thinking, you know, this is this is it because I can't go anymore. I'm glad that, in a way, sort of happened because it got, me my, it got my mind prepared, right, what is the next step? And it really sort of escalated my mind into thinking about the coaching and then obviously we've spoke before that I'd like to go into management um, and stuff down the line. So... For me, that that obviously escalated that. I had a bonus couple of years that I managed to to play for a bit longer and and had a and a, a second part of my career which I thoroughly enjoyed. So yeah, I think it's 
it's a tough period. And I, I mean, I know Bryce is, is with the personal training and the property stuff. And it's a huge, it's huge for you because it gives you something to get up out of bed for. I can see now why people do fall off, fall away and things happen, mental health, you know, if they're not financially got the the ducks in a row, things like that. It's a tough period. And I think they, they probably does need to be more for players or players need to reach out and find the resources with a PFA or through um, their agencies they're with or whatever. They need, they need to be some sort of planning. And it's not just the financial side. It's more for your head because for, for me, it was like 21 years from when I left school of every day of your life structured, be here, do this, wear that, eat this, right, this is what you do at work, this is why you do And it's constant being told what to do. And then all of a sudden, that stops and you've got to, like, fend for yourself. And sounds daft, somebody in their 30s going, oh, you have to fend for yourself, like, you can't do it. But your whole life has been structured. And probably even before that, as a kid, if you get into the academy system, even younger, it is so structured and so regimented in so many ways that when you're sort of left to your own devices, you actually don't know what to do. And um, yeah, it can be tough for players. Are you any closer to deciding what you want to do, Lee? Um, it's not, yeah. But I kind of am where I am, Blake. It's like, I don't, like, if I do retire, I won't, there won't be any big like, oh, I'm retired and put a statement out and all that. I'm not, that's not what I do or it's not me anyway. I think I just, probably just morph into something else to be honest with you I'm, you know if I pop up as a coach or pop up playing for somebody or something there's every chance of anything can happen it's just you just sort of networking and going about things and seeing what happens it's I'm quite open to most things um I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing if I just say right I'm not playing and, and have the closure but I've always been of the mindset of like you sort of from the train until it falls off the tracks kind of thing do you know what I mean so um, no I'm not any closer to, <laughs> to be I honest. think half the problem is players actually don't think their career will come to an end I think like when you've been doing it for that long you just expect to be able to keep on doing it I think, that, I, I, think I was similar to campaign in a sense when I went up to Aberdeen and had a nightmare for like a year 18 months or whatever it was and just couldn't get fit no matter what I tried like all the rehab injections, operations, just couldn't get rid of the pain in my ankle. Um, and I was basically, I think I was like campy as well. I was thinking, right, well, I wonder if this is just my body basically saying, look, enough's enough. And I was kind of, when I was at Aberdeen, thinking, right, if you're going to retire, you have to retire. It's just one of the things. But I wanted, like, to be able to choose effectively when I retire. I didn't want, like, my body just to choose for me, really. And then luckily for me, actually... I actually got a couple of injections that actually worked. Left Aberdeen, signed for St. Johnson, and basically been fit ever since. So I think when I was at Aberdeen, a penny dropped for me that, look, this isn't going to be forever. You have to set yourself up. You have to basically do something that's going to get you at your bed every morning, um, like Campy was saying, because you can understand why players kind of fall into a bad trap and kind of get addicted to, say, gambling or drinking or, or doing something else because there is no structure to your life. And I actually think lockdown in a sense helped me a wee bit because I was thinking like you're in the house every day like I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life Um, I want to go back to playing football and I don't know when you're injured I lost a wee bit of desire because I was at well I was injured that much up there and I'd come back for a game I'd be back out injured for a couple of months and then lockdown gave me that desire back thinking like I need to give this everything I've got to try and get back fit 
me and Campy would we'd go on the bike together um, and stuff like that. We'd keep each other motivated. And I think that was that's one of the reasons I've actually got myself out of fitting and why I'm still playing at, at 35 just now. How, how do you feel at the minute? Do you feel as strong as ever? Do you feel like you've got an X amount of years? Have you got a time in your head that you'll be playing for? Or are you just taking each game and season as it comes? I just want to play for as long as possible. Um, I'm not too bothered really at what level. I just want to keep on playing. Obviously, I know the best years are behind me. Um, on a, on Saturday, I played my 598th game. So I'm coming up to like a big milestone, hopefully, in the next, in the next week. Uh, I play in 600 games. So for me, if you told me when I was going to start playing football that you'd play 600 games, I'd obviously snap your hand off. So I just want to play for as long as possible uh, at any level. But there's some some days you wake up and your body's not there. It's it's not great. You're stiff. You're sore. You're thinking, right, is this it? Is this me finished? But the manager at uh, St Johnson's been been unbelievable for me. He basically lets me manage my week. I kind of just we have an open, honest relationship. Some days I'll go in and just say, look, I, I don't feel ready to train, and he'll be fine with that. I'll just go on the bike, and we always just come up with a plan that we just have to do whatever whatever we can to get you ready for a game day. Um, and that's the most important part for me. I think I need to realise now that I'm not the 24, 25-year-old at Derby running about like a madman on the pitch. Uh, I've had to calm down a wee bit, but I think that's just the way it is. I think every player's got to adapt their game the older they get. Yeah, you mentioned about going out on your own terms and we had Wardy on recently, talked about playing for, for Buxton, who got they obviously got to the FA Cup second round and he said one of the biggest reasons he's still playing at that level is because he wants to go out on his terms and he still wants to play as long as he can. Lee, would that be something that you would look at, maybe dropping into non-league? And is that a route into to management, maybe playing and coaching and a route into what you want to do, maybe? Yeah, I, like I said, I'm open I'm open to all sorts, really. I think um, the advice I've had, and I think the sensible thing is that, obviously, being a goalkeeper has brought me to the dance and put me in this position. But I think there's a bit of a stigma around goalkeepers that you'll always go into a goalkeeping coaching role and oh, they're just they are what they are. And I make no bones about it. I want to manage. I don't want to coach. I don't want to be a first team coach. I don't want to be a co- an assistant. I want to manage. So that pathway into that, that's what I've got to find. That's going to be the the step into it. So the coaching side of it is a tricky one because then do you then label yourself? too early as a goalie coach because I always think maybe you could always fall back into if the management doesn't work or I can't get onto that pathway I've always got that to fall back onto is it harder to get up the ladder to be a manager from that position it's a tough one and uh, but the passion for playing is is always going to be there I think even when I'm 65 if I make it to 65 with probably no hips no knees fingers bent and always I'll still be thinking oh I could have saved that What's he doing there playing in golf? Oh my, I'd have saved that. I think that's just a natural instinct that you have as a player. I think you, you never, ever take away that passion for or that desire of, of wanting to play in that buzz. But you know what, mate? I'm not answering the question very well in terms of my next step, but how do you get into it? It's such a, a mad pathway, sorry, a mad job to go into and find a pathway. Everyone's different. Like a lot of my friends, Ian Everett, for example, finished playing at Chesterfield, had a little spell as two or three games as just taking the team and then ended up as the Barrow manager. And we was on a coaching course that summer together. Richie Wellens did a co- was a coach for a little bit and ended up as a manager. 
other people have done 10 years as a coach and ended up as a manager. And so there's a different path route and everyone has a different story. It's not as if you can just go to college, apply for jobs. It's going to get you so far. You know, it's it's tough to find a route. Um, but, you, but you find your way, don't you? You find a way into it. If you're passionate about it, you'll find a way. It's the same as being a kid. And, and Bryce, when he was a kid, it's it's going to be hard to be a professional footballer. It's going to be hard to achieve what he did. And he's coming up to 600 games. It's like phenomenal. 600 games is unbelievable. So the hardness and, and the, the craziness of it doesn't scare me or probably doesn't scare Bryce going into it because you've already been through it as a, a young teenager getting into it. A teenager playing first team football with senior pros, players of our age now. So you sort of know the difficulties of it. It's just finding your way through the weeds to get there. It's, it's, um, it's weird. It's weird. When Bryce gets to the stage I'm at, it'll be interesting to see what his thoughts on it are. Cause obviously he's set up with all the stuff, but where his passion takes him when he finally decides to, to stop playing. I think that's a problem. You go into football straight from school. So you don't know any different. You don't know, you don't know anything else. Like, you speak to your mates about their jobs and stuff, and it just sounds like it's a million miles away from playing football. And I think, I think you get a wee bit spoiled in football um, for the job you're actually doing. But it's 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 obviously very tough. It's very tough when you're coming to this kind of stage of the career that me and Camp are at to to decide what you're going to do because nothing will ever compare to football. You can sell as many houses as you want, but it's. it's it's not the same as playing in front of what 30, 40, 50,000 every week and, and playing football or scoring or winning and having that team around you. And I think, I think half the battle is like the changing room. Like some of the things that happen in a changing room, you'd never get away with in, in any other walk of life. And <laughs> some of the things you see in there or here or. Not, not in the Cardiff changing room. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It will never be recreated. So you just have to accept that. But. I think that would be. I think that's one of the hardest parts. That no matter what you do after football, it's not going to come close to actually playing. Eighteen ninety-eight, the last time Derby beat Forest five-nil. There was a man who got a hat trick that day, and Bryson is the man who has the hat trick. This, the stuff that memories and legends are made of. Derby County five, Nottingham Forest nil, and Craig Bryson joined Steve Bloomer in the history books of this fixture. Have you found that, Lee? Do you miss that? The, the Saturday afternoon, the the buzz of a match day, the, the going in, like the the whole match day experience while you've you've had the few months away. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I gotta say is that I, I don't necessarily miss throwing myself on the floor every day, and I don't, or you know, some mornings you wake up and it's frosty and it's cold, and you think, oh, mm. yeah, I don't have to go into work to throw myself about on that to dive after shots or whatever. But it's the match day you do miss. You miss playing. I think as you get older, I think when 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 you're young and you can train all the time and you're playing and you just bounce from game to game. You just it's just the norm and then you get a bit older and aches and pains start and then you start to appreciate the games more and then obviously when uh, you're not playing that buzz of a Saturday I mean, I've been to a couple of games watched some local games and been to watch um, a couple of my mates play and catch up with them and things and you watch them warm up and do stuff and you think oh, that's when you miss it when you see the lights and you see the balls out on the pitch and there's that little bit of dew on the grass and then 
you see the goalie warming up and you think uh, that's that's when you start to you miss that buzz of it all and um, yeah you, you do miss it how do you not miss it it's like you've had a job for 20 odd, you had a job for 20 years and never worked a day in your life if that makes sense it's like it's it's incredible you, you, there's no feeling like it I've, um, I've got another a Christmassy question but there's football questions off the back of it I'll start with you Lee because you you tend to have very strong opinions about the most mundane of things including like telly and stuff when you've come on before so what, have you have you watched Kirby Enthusiasm yet? Yeah I have yeah I have officially morphed into Larry <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that you're going to have about five minutes on this so best Christmas song of all time and why go oh my god the best song. Yeah, I thought we. I thought we was going to do like a rundown. The best one ever. Yeah, um, best one. Running out of time. Oh, we've got the top three. Oh jeez. Well, my my number one was. Um, give us the oh, top three then. No, no. I'll give you my number one. I'm not giving my top three. I'll just give you my number one. I need to. I can't remember the name of it. Hold on. That sounds good, Dana. Yeah. You, you, the fairy tale of New York. The fairy tale of New York. Why? That's a legend. Uh, what? What? <laughs> I've only got so many to choose from. Why is it original? <laughs> See, this is what I get. What's yours then? Just like the most popular one right there. <laughs> well, it was between that and Chris Rea. They're Christmas songs, aren't they? So, like, I like, I like Christmas lights. Coldplay. Coldplay. Yeah. Aye. Quality. Oh, yeah, Quality. Great. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> original. <laughs> to be fair, I just listen to magic every morning. They just play them all. Yeah, it's that time of year, isn't it? Bloody radio stations. Uh, well, I think you listen to magic anyway, but yeah, I can't believe you. Can't believe you admitted that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's worse, magic or heart aches. I don't know. I don't know which one's worse to admit to, but heart dances the one. Heart what? Christmas. No, no, in general. <laughs> <laughs> What was the one you always used to send to me when, when you first went home? You always used to send it on a Sunday night when you were driving back to Aberdeen. What was that radio station you just used to send some crap techno oh, disco music to me? The GBX, George Bowie Experience. Tremendous. Amazing. Oh. Honestly, that is tremendous. Like You've got Scooter, Cascada, Flippin' Phil, Darren Styles, a lot. Amazing. We're back to Zanzibar. Aye. Tremendous, love it, love it. Messi's got a That was a regular thing for about six months. I used to get a Snapchat of that it's a car radio, like a radio station playing. God knows what it's like a rave. <laughs> Remember, I just used to play that song on repeat in the car to change room, Paramore. <laughs> just mate, we played that on repeat for about forty-five minutes before every game. <laughs> Which one was that? Off his head. <laughs> oh, oh my god! What song was that? that yeah. It was called "Paramore." Still into you. Oh it yeah, like, I'm uh, still into you. I bet yeah. it was like the raved up version. Yeah, I've heard that. Some some bootleg or something like that, and I think we just used to play that, mate, for forty five minutes before the game, and you could see Warnock just walking about, thinking, "What the fuck's going on here?" <laughs> oh. This is not. This is not Tony Bennett. <laughs> Jay, one of my follow-up one of my follow-up questions is going to be like, who chooses the the music for the change room? Is to designate it to someone, and the follow-up to that would be who's got the worst taste in music that you've ever been with in a changing room? 
um, I think it's I think it's you. Yeah, they're usually somebody designated, isn't they, Bryce? It's usually a bit of a music man or someone who has the a playlist on the phone or something. It's a bit of a uh, mixed bag, really. We've had a bit of everything. Like sometimes the captain would go around and get uh, yeah. to off each player and stuff like that. So you can imagine like the difference in music that was coming on like before you were going out and stuff. Um, there's other times people just play like a playlist on Spotify or something. Don't think there's any any sort of rule behind it. To be honest, I was never allowed near it. Put it that way. People were good needing needing a cup of paracetamol to play the game. <laughs> 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 Anyone that had absolutely like you like you just said that you would avoid and say don't let him anywhere near that speaker like someone who Craig Bryson <laughs> yeah I was never allowed they didn't they didn't appreciate good a good beat put it that way <laughs> no it's just all the foreign lads really because they would obviously all that rap stuff cr- not now yeah no time for yeah. it like French rap. Some of the French lads would put French rap on. Yeah. You thought you know what the guy's saying. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a pure daddy. But... That, that would get that iPhone or someone to get thrown across the room. Yeah. Changing room, I should say. I, I, can, yeah. um, I can imagine Nigel Clough being a bit taken aback by some of the music that be put on, or did he just leave the lads to it? He just left the lads to it, but I think he was one of the, one of the people that actually wanted like two songs from everybody. Yeah. Just so he could walk around and like batter you for your taste of music as well. And then you would actually get to to hear the songs that he liked and his coaching staff liked as well. So um yeah, it was a bit of, a bit of that. Right, another one that Campion love. I did say top three, but we're gonna do top one and the bottom one. Who's top of your Christmas card list in football and who'd be bottom? Oh god. Um who'd be top? Well, I've got no idea who'd be top. Any idea. Trump yeah. would be like, Trumpy Lee Trump look at him lying there <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been right at the bottom look at him have you, has he even got anywhere we can send one <laughs> nah. yeah he's definitely Debenham, in a Debenham's there. window <laughs> I'll be outside the door uh, any, anybody just associated, associated with Forrest would be right at the bottom I was good mates with Scott McKenna, but then he signed for them, so he wouldn't get one either. And then you've got... Oh, Bryce, you're not at Derby anymore, mate. Just let it go. Look, the fans love you. Just love it. All right, do you know what I mean? You have to score brownie points. Get the mob on Twitter buzzing off you again. Come on, calm down. I'm unemployed in May as well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Uncle Mel's not there anymore, mate. You're part of the back. Oh, don't know if you can say that. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> it don't like me anyway after the George Thorne podcast, so it's um I think that ship sailed. Um, <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know. I, I've got a few. I got a few will be bottom of the list, but let's not go there. Who's top then? We'll do it, we'll keep it nice, it's Christmas. So basically like who's your best mate in football? Probably Daryl Flahaven. I don't Craig, know. No, you're not joining in. No, 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 no. No, I've got nobody no. top it up. Yeah, no, mate. Don't like to offend. Just people. say me. Just say me. Just no. say it. Go on. Go 100% percent would not be you. No chance. <laughs> what I do really love is that it's not just banter. I, could tell, I might be wrong, but I can tell that Craig actually really dislikes Nottingham Forest, don't you? I wouldn't have sent him in. I wouldn't have sent him in. <laughs> 
See, look, look at how he's gone. So angry. <laughs> look, he's getting so competitive again. This is the nah. problem. This, no, I wasn't this is just like it was when we did international chess day. He got all competitive <laughs> and he hurt his ankle. He's doing bench press oh, yeah. and he hurt his ankle. Oh, Come shit. On. <laughs> Uh, no, I love him really. Love him really. Yeah, yeah we get on all right, don't we, bro? We have a weird relationship. It's usually it's just like I say, it's just grief. If anybody heard us, they'd think, <laughs> right, well, they probably are now. There's going to be about five listeners listening to this, and they'll. Uh... I just like to write, like, text them out the blue to remind them that he's a Buddhist <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. He'll just pop into my head one time, I'll just text them. Judas and that'll be it. I won't even reply to what he says. Then maybe about two months later again, I'll just send him again. Blake, do you know why that is? Why is that? Because I live rent free in his head, twenty four seven. It's because I've got a picture in my wall and my score at the ground, and I just see you lying in the floor waving at somebody. Well, I'm just half it into the net. <laughs> I don't know who you're waving at still. Uh, Fifty minutes it's taken to get that up. <laughs> uh, how long we've we been going? <laughs> Uh, only took him. That's a record. I uh, just seen the picture again. Uh, how many times have you scored past uh, Lee Rice? I don't know. I don't know. It must have been a few. Well, I don't think we played that much against each other, did we? No, I don't think so. Don't think no. so. I can't. Not, not when I was at Forest. I don't think. No, I just I think we only played a couple of times, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we're not going to mention your hat trick against Derby. Is that not going to come up again? You on the air against Forest? No, you not no. That's, that's irrelevant. Oh, all right. <laughs> it was even. It was even. I was just, just giving you some plaudits. Jeez, look! My God, I won't bother with you, sure. <laughs> it was even more oh. of an achievement. <laughs> right. So just to end, because we haven't got to talk about it. Do you, have you been looking at and keeping an eye on Derby recently, Bryce? And I know it's a difficult thing to talk about, but obviously... Campy just told me to let it go and you are asking me about Derby. <laughs> no, of course. Of course, I always keep an eye on it. Uh, I used to get abused uh, when I say, like, I'm a Derby fan now, but that's what it is. Um, I think when I, when I left back in, what, 2019, if you told me the club were going to be in the state they're in just now, um, I wouldn't have believed you. It's, it's not nice to see I thought there was a slight chance that he'd probably stay up with the first point seduction, but when you're minus 21 or whatever it was to get taken off them, then it's it's going to be very hard to come back from. But for me, I just want it to get sorted. I'm not I'm not here to blame MD or, or any of that. I just want the club to be fixed and get back to where it, where it should be. Um, we are where we are now. Uh, we just have to kind of try and find a buyer. The last thing we want is the club to go out of business. Uh, for everybody, I don't think it'd be good for for anybody in Derby, obviously, uh, or the Football League, uh, we're club Derby size, kind of going out of business. So I just want the problem or the situation sorted as soon as possible. But anytime they're on TV, obviously I sit down and watch it. And I think <clears throat> I think it's good. I think that's a good to watch just now. Uh, they've got nothing to lose. Get a good few young players coming through and stuff like that. So fingers crossed if, if or when they do get relegated, a lot of the players will stay if possible. And hopefully getting them back up. We've spoken about life after football. Could you see yourself maybe in a few years once I see lads growing up and, and stuff like that, maybe coming back and doing something at Derby at some stage? Uh, I would never say never. 
Uh, but until we get that phone call or, or text or whatever, then you never know. But yeah, I'd, I'd always love to come back to Derby in some capacity at some stage in my life. But you just never know in football what's going to happen or, or what kind of path it's going to take you or what you'll be doing at that time uh, if you do get a phone call. But yeah, I'd, I'd always be open to, to some sort of return to Derby in the future. Lee, you've been obviously watching from afar. What, what have you made of the situation over the last few weeks and months? Sad, sad. I mean, all jokes aside, banter, forest banter, whatever. <clears throat> There's obviously still a part of Derby County that means a lot to me because of me growing up there and, you know, applying my trade there as a young kid and giving me the apprenticeship and the, the grounding to go on. It's it's sad to see what it's become, really, and, it, and the way it's it's all been dealt and handled. And I think, like Craig said, we could blame people and, you know, who's accountable, who takes responsibility. The thing is, it's not going to change. It's about what they do moving forward. And I just hope it gets resolved as quick as possible because I know obviously it's Derby and it's um, it's a team that's obviously close to all of us. But I don't think you want to see this with any teams, really. You don't want to see teams that having points taken off them and affecting league tables. It takes away the spirit of the competition and you want because the players suffer and the fans suffer but it, it's bad decisions that none of them two parties have have any control over it's mismanagement or whatever it is and you know you just hope it gets resolved as soon as possible hopefully before January because the, la- the last thing you want really is going into January thinking that you're going to lose any assets and if they have to sell players or do whatever they have to do for the administration and, and things like that you just want it to be some sort of clarity and, and some sort of solid ground to move forward and sooner the better it's um, it's a shame it's a shame to see such a, a good football club and a big football club with the facilities and and the aspirations it's had in the in the recent years to end up where it is it's um, it's a sad end to an era which started so well lads it's been absolutely brilliant and I really appreciate your, your time I know the dog fans will love it because you're two of the most popular people I've had on in the past so thank you so much uh or not necessarily campy, one of the um, one of the most popular people we've had on, Bryce. Uh, but Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for coming on. I've got one more for, for you both that campy will love, but we'll just do it as like a, just just the answer. Best Christmas film of all time. Home Alone. Campy. Home Alone. Love that. Home Clean, Alone. Clean sweep. Nice one. Cheers, boys. It's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, see you later. Pleasure. Merry Christmas. Cheers, mate.